Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. There's nothing like seeing live music, whether it's in a huge arena or a dimly lit bar. It's one of the experiences that's a casualty of social distancing that's needed to prevent the spread of coronavirus. Live music venues have been closed for months, and as the virus continues to spread, there's no end in sight. Musicians who rely on gigs for their livelihood are suffering too. What's the impact for venue owners and artists? And where do we go from here? Joining me via Zoom are Tom DeGeorge, owner of Crowbar in Ybor City, Christopher James, a singer-songwriter from Bradenton, and Wayne Atherholt, who is cultural affairs director for the city of St. Petersburg. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. Starting off, I want to just go around and, and get everybody's sense of, of what the last uh, few months have, have been like for everyone. And Tom, I'll start with you. What what have been the challenges for you as uh, as you've tried to get Crowbar up uh, up and running again? You know, the challenge for me was worrying about my own business while at the same time worrying about the future of our industry. You know, it, it's very hard when you're trying to explain the totality of a situation to people. And then the first, as you do it over and over again, the first thing they say is, what can we do to help Crowbar? You know, and then having to explain to people that I appreciate the support, but helping Crowbar in the short term is not going to help Crowbar in the long term if we lose our tour industry. So just, you know, letting people truly understand that my survival is based on other venues around the country surviving um, and almost pushing away support for my own venue um, for that very reason because I feel that, you know, we have a much larger uh, national crisis that we have to deal with as far as, you know, aside from the national crisis of the pandemic itself, you know, the, the real problem is if we lose all these venues around the country that, that even if Crowbar survives, which I've always said I, I felt it would, um, that it doesn't look like what it looked like before because now we've lost um, several bands that would have come to Florida. Christopher, what about you? What, what's, uh, what have the last few months been like for you? Interesting, to say the least. As a singer-songwriter, as a performer, feeling the effects of not having avenues like Crowbar and other venues that we have in the uh, Tampa, Ybor area, it's just put a, a suffocating grip on you know what we're able to do as creatives. And I mean, I'm lucky enough that I, I have a nine-to-five to pay my bills and I'm not leaning so heavily on being a, a singer songwriter, but my dear friends who this is their job, they're having to find new ways of, of supporting themselves. And it's, it's w without any help in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It's almost unbearable to, to watch and to witness. You can't help, but want to help, but you don't, there's so many who need help. You're not exactly sure what to do. Wayne, what uh, challenges have you faced in the last few months? Well, you know, St. Petersburg is a cultural hub, and so we have a lot of um, cultural venues, whether it's uh, visual arts or performing arts, and that includes all the small bars, which I, I love going to for, for art openings uh, that have got performing artists in them. 
it's strange. I, I try to look at it from a, a logical perspective and take a look at countries which have made greater progress, um, the United Kingdom to a lesser extent, and maybe you know, Germany or, or France or someplace, and see what they have done, at least in, in the realm of museum operations and so forth. So life is going to go on. It's going to be very different, and it's going to be different for a while. And we've got to figure out how to continue to go on with it. And it's, it's just going to be different. And it's, it's frustrating because it's unlike any other thing that we've gone through, whether it's a hurricane or an oil spill or, or something like that, or a, a international dip in tourism that we've all been through in the industry for the, the last three or four decades. It, it's, it's been a challenge, like everybody else has said. Tom, I want to come back to you and kind of build on what, on what Wayne uh, just said. You know, life's going to go on, but it's going to look different. And it, it seems like the challenge for venue owners is, number one, people wanting to come to shows and feeling feeling comfortable about that but also you've got bands especially bands that tour also feeling comfortable and safe about uh about doing that as well you've got to kind of balance those two things right yeah i mean i to me you know you have to you know to say life is going to look different i think it also depends you know the moment when we said we're going to leave it up to the states it makes things extremely difficult you know the tour market when you have states that are on all different levels of infection and and different things, I, I just think we're in for a, a rude awakening when the spring comes around and people think that some of these touring stuff is going to come back. I think it's going to continue to get pushed back because we kind of definitely here in Florida, we're, we're for some reason trying to like work through this thing. And I don't, I just don't think you can work through a, a pandemic. I think that, you know, the reality and the frustrations are that we're probably are going to be stuck in this situation for a long time because of how it's being handled. And there's no real, you know, there's not even a, a Southeastern regional solution where everybody's doing the same thing. So I just, you know, you can't really expect all of a sudden for the tours to start again under this climate. Um, and so, it, you know, that creates a huge, huge problem for our industry. Yeah, I imagine too, um, I know you were talking about this before we started taping here, you know, it's it's a challenge in the first place for bands to get bands to come to Florida because it is so far south. And you add on top of that, we've got this kind of state by state approach to uh, reopening and having different limits on gatherings and things. So if, if I'm a manager, or if I'm, you know, a band that's looking to tour, that's good. That's going to be a challenge, if not, if not a hindrance, if, yeah. you know, I want to tour the Southeast and Georgia's doing one thing and Florida's doing something else and South Carolina and North Carolina are doing their own thing. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I look at, you know, this entire time when I've looked at the landscape of things and how things work, the first people I've always listened to is the doctors and the scientists. And then I look at what they did in New York and New York legitimately shut itself down completely until they got down to, I think they're at about 1% right now. And even when they reopened their businesses, they said, listen, you basically can only eat here or you can only have a drink here. We're not going to do any live entertainment yet. And I know that people in New York were like, man, that's harsh. But at the same time, it'll probably at least get them back to normal over there to, to where things can be safer. Uh, that being said, if we're not doing the same thing around the country, that's where the tour situation comes in and, and we're probably looking at a big problem and in the tours when they do start again will probably start from that center there you know if they can even get them back but i think it's 
because of the way things have been handled, I think it's going to be a long time before we see any normalcy in that sense. And that's a problem because these smaller stages, um, the, the music industry doesn't trickle down, it bubbles up. And these smaller stages um, are going to need those type of artists in order to stay in business. So that's what, going back to what I said, I've always told people, Crowbar will survive this. The point is, how many of us will survive it three years from now if we cannot get this tour industry back next year? And I just don't see us getting it back at the level we need to get it back quick enough for many of our venues to survive if the government doesn't step up and give us the proper financial aid we need after being shut down for six months. You don't just get out of that hole with 25% of your revenue for the next two years. It's just not going to happen. Wayne, what, what kind of solutions do you think local governments or state governments or even the federal government should offer uh, venues and, and uh, cultural organizations who are struggling during this time? Well, St. Petersburg's got a history of, uh, at least in this administration, has got a history of supporting the arts, uh, whether it's individual artists through individual artist grants, uh, or whether it's the, the venues themselves through our uh, organizational operating grants. Um, the state also does, I believe Hillsborough County has uh, county grants. I don't know about the city of Tampa. Um, Pinellas County has um, very limited individual artist grants, and I believe there might just be for visual, I forget. So there's varying levels of, of support. The state still supports arts and cultural organizations, um, but very, very um, small compared to the state budget. You know, the federal government is one of the the worst for supporting arts and culture. we look at all of these various governments, and I think it's the same thing what Tom was talking about, the response. I mean, the, the best thing that we could do to our, our, our music venues is to get a, a handle on the virus. Um, and that's going to start with, a, you know, a statewide mask mandate, a countrywide, something, some kind of leadership to follow what science is, is telling us. At, at the local level, I think Pinellas County has done a very, very good job uh, for the most part. Our levels are, are, are down, they're stable. Um, the city of St. Petersburg, I believe with the Christman administration, we've done a, a very good job of controlling it and, and as well as working with the, the county. Um, you know, are, are we are able to go into a tight space and listen to a performing arts group um, and enjoy beers and all start laughing and telling jokes together? No, we can't do that right now. But there are degrees of that that you can do that, where you whether it's sidewalk concerts or open air. I mean, we're open to anything. You know, we've got all sorts of parks when things get uh, not back to normal, but when it gets to the point where you can start gathering in smaller groups, there's plenty of open space. And, and that's, I think, probably one of the, the best options. And unfortunately, we all love to go into a, a, a small space and hear a, a concert. And I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. Christopher, in the in the absence of uh, of live shows, what have you uh, what have you been doing? Uh, anything and everything I can to stay afloat. Really, live streams have been an amazing avenue to help satiate some of that financial need, uh, as well as trying to because we live in a, uh, an era of technology. You know, we you need to stay connected to your audience and your base and your fans, and you need that constant stirring of content. So when you're not out on the road, you're not out doing all of these other things and shows and, and concerts, the content is supremely lacking. So live feeds have been able to kind of uh, fill in that gap, but you can only do so many live streams from your one Facebook before you know it starts getting stale. So you're having to, not just myself, but a, 
so many other friends have tried to find new ways to approach their base and approach their audience and fans. I did a live stream for a New York venue and uh, and one over in California and just trying to find new ways to reach your audience virtually because we we don't have the privilege of actually getting out. And Tom is absolutely right. We're not going to see anything that's going to be remotely normal in the near future. It's like putting out a fire with a spray bottle. But then again, you have Nashville that looks much like Florida does now. You know, it's fluctuates because it's a touring city you know you have people driving in and you know increasing their infection rates and then you have austin as well that does the same thing because of the because of tourism as well if we don't have a firm grip on how to handle this then no we are not going to see a normalcy and we're going to have to continue as singer songwriters as bands as artists to reinvent new ways of trying to stay afloat Again, I will always say Tom is right because A, he is, and number two, he, he can arm wrestle me to the floor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to see normalcy. Smaller rooms and medium rooms, they are the literal foundation of music to and the touring industry. It, he's right. It bubbles up. It doesn't trickle down. The larger stages owe it to the smaller and medium rooms for cultivating that musical culture and, uh, and tour industry. Tom, in the absence of live shows, what has Crowbar been doing to uh, help musicians or do live streams or anything like that? When this whole thing started, I took the approach that I felt like the best thing I could do to help our industry was to immediately involve, get involved with that National Independent Venue Association and become the Florida precinct captain and lobby our elected officials on a you know national level and a state level as well as a city and a county level to 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 bring the situation and the and the conversation to the forefront that how important not just the Save Our Stages Act is, but how important it is that we get city and county funding and advise, you know, and talk to as many local artists as I could that, that looked to me for advice. And I told them to get involved with Nito. I told them that if they were going to play out to constantly bring up the Save Our Stages to people and just to, to be careful because, you know, the immediate satisfaction of playing now could become a hindrance in the future to, to get back to that normalcy. So for me personally, I put my own business on hold for a while. Um, I, I could have uh, switched to a food license sooner or done something like that, but I just didn't believe that there was any reason for us to reopen um, before October. And, and I needed to put my full focus on, like I said, what I believe is an actual, this isn't a bump in the road. This is a crater in the road. And it's, it's a massive crisis that we're dealing with. And I, and I just, I can't stress that enough. I don't think there's enough people in the industry I think people think like, well, you know, it'll probably bounce back. It, it could be extinct. I mean, this, you know, when, when we get in our captain's meetings and we talk um, and you're talking to somebody from every state in the country, um, this is not hyperbole. There's places that are going out of business, you know, right now as, as we speak. So um, once you get to the point where we've lost um, even 30% of those rooms and we're predicting that we'll lose 90%, if we don't get the proper funding, um, once you leave, lose even 30%, you, you know, it's going to take a long time to, to, to fix that and get proper routing, if, if ever at all. So that, that's, I kept myself busy with, with, with 
the end game, looking towards, you know, where, where will we be in two years from now if we don't start working on this now? You mentioned the, the Save Our Stages Act, and I just want to clarify for folks, that is proposed legislation at the federal level. Yes, it's proposed legislation on the federal level. It's, it's a bipartisan act from Corman and Klobuchar, and it's a $10 billion carved out act specifically for our industry that covers brick and mortar as well as promoters, independent promoters. You're listening to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. We're talking about live music and the survival of live music venues with Tom DeGeorge, owner of Crowbar in Tampa, Christopher James, a local musician, and Wayne Atherholt, who is in charge of cultural issues for the city of St. Petersburg. We'll take a short break here and resume our conversation in just a moment. This is Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. I'm Bradley George. We're talking about music venues in the age of coronavirus and the struggles they're facing with Tom DeGeorge, owner of Tampa's Crowbar, Christopher James, a musician from Bradenton, and Wayne Atherholt, who is in charge of cultural affairs for the city of St. Petersburg. Uh, Christopher, what kind of help would you like to see for, for musicians and, and for venues to help get through this? That's a great question. One, I would love to see some sort of uh, financial help coming from the government because these are individual contracting musicians that, you know, this is what they do and they're not given any help in any way, shape or form. Oh man, I don't know. I'm about to go on a tangent and I don't want to do that. <laughs> go ahead. So you have restaurants now that are acting like venues and that in, in my eyes, they're, they're stealing the entertainment from our smaller stages and they're acting like absolute selfish children when it comes to these particular things, putting people at risk just because they have a food license and, and they're able to operate without being shut down because of the mandates. They're putting musicians in a risky situation during a pandemic. And that's the life that musicians have to have right now to be able to stay afloat. They have to pay, they have to play those three, four hour gigs at a restaurant now, instead of playing at a bar or a club or something like that, where they would, you know, that's where they go for music. Now they're having to play at restaurants where there are more people there, a lot more people without masks or, you know, they wear masks when they walk around, but they're still in a situation that's not necessarily safe and it's not mindfully kept up. So now they're even put in a, in a more of a, a delicate situation and a more potential to you know, contract a virus that has sidelined so many other people. And if they do get the virus, that means they're not going to be able to perform for 14 days. That means 14 days without any work, without any finances in any way, shape or form. So I would love to see some sort of uh, governmental intervention to be able to hand these musicians money and saying, yes, we understand that this is what you made last year. Uh, you did taxes. We have everything on file. Here's, here's earnings because we know that you are not able to hold yourself up afloat right now. That's what I would love to see. And I guess the other thing too, is, you know, musicians playing in a restaurant, it's not, it's not the same thing as going to a venue to see somebody Right. You're, it's it's, you're, it's not the same. It's not the same experience. No, 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 no. And, and you're right. It's not necessarily that anybody's going to the restaurant, but the restaurants will use the musicians almost as uh, a selling tool. Hey, if you want to see this musician, come grab yourself a bite to eat, grab yourself a drink and enjoy the music from so and so. So it's more like exploiting the musicians because they're not able to get into the clubs and all this other stuff. Tom had an amazing platform around April, May, June. I want to say it was June, July had a great plan to reopen at 50%, had an amazing idea to kind of open up 
crowbar uh, when we first, like the first time around when it was like, all right, we're going to have like a soft open 50%, all this other stuff. And then we had the shutdown and that just totally put uh, musicians out on their butts. Yeah, Tom, let me, let me ask you about that. Cause I, um, I'll just say I've been to shows at crowbar. I follow you all on social media and I've been sort of following that, that, that road to reopen plan that you had. Um, can you talk a little bit, a bit about that plan and why, uh, why you decided to shelve it? I didn't really have a choice because once I was getting ready to react, you know, enact it, they had, they had reclosed bars again. So I, I wouldn't have really had a choice. Even if I was able to do those shows, I had planned on getting those shows over with and then keeping myself closed until the numbers, um, went back down anyway. But, but I was forced to, to not do the shows when they shut the bars back down. Now I have the ability to open again. I plan on doing some limited stuff. Like I said, starting in October. And my plan was always, you know, when people talk about concerts and about, well, you, how do you control this? How do you control that? You know, when I first started in this industry, I started with security. And so I always tell my security guards that we set the pace. If, if the climate around you is safe, you can be safe. I thought it was very unfair um, that they shut down an entire industry because they were not able to regulate. I mean, the, the Department of Business and Professional Regulation, your job is to regulate. And, and we have, you know, the moment they re-shut us down, um, they had already let us down by not regulating the bad actors. And then they let us down even more because they allowed our industry to continue in other places, knowing that we would stay shuttered up until we got the cases under control. Um, and that was always my argument here with our city here in our county was that, you know, because of the state order and what they did, um, we are relying on you to shut people down that aren't complying. So eventually we can get open again. So we were failed all the way around, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this time around, I plan on opening at 25% capacity everything's a touchless system everything's on pre-sales um seated shows um like christopher said there's no extended period of time where people have to keep their masks down because because um we're not going to be doing full meals um but we we do have the food license now we will have finger type food that you know can that they can eat in the beer garden um but yeah i just think it's you know it's not like i'm going to start booking um hardcore shows you know, right off the bat, you know, you just have to be, I just don't think people use enough common sense. You know, you have to use common sense and, and do what makes sense during this time. Um, going back to what I said before, though, that's, you know, you're doing about, not only are you operating at 25% capacity, you're doing about 25% of what you could do in the past. So we can't, you know, they want to wash over this after shutting us down for six months and act like we can just make it out of this hole moving forward. So it, it all goes back to that we need funding. You know, there's an, it's called eminent domain. If, if you're asking me to make the sacrifice and shut down for this great length of time, there's got to be a reasonable um, money set aside for our industry or else I just don't think we're going to make it out of it. Wayne, what about the venues that you're in charge of in St. Petersburg? What uh, steps are they taking to, uh, to reopen safely? Well, they've done a lot of things online. Um, you know, Al Downing does their uh, Monday Facebook Live. The Hideaway does their sidewalk. Uh, I believe they're going to be reopening too, I think. Um, 
that, that you know they've done everything that Tom has said. You know they're they're doing as much as they can. The palladium is you know being closed too. You know, there's at least there are some other options. I mean, even though there are we're looking at some venues, but there are at least some options for some musicians in the open air. Um, I mean, I think that the, the, the Peer District, they're looking at um, hiring some entertainers for that district, um, the management company there. Um, it just doesn't take the place of, uh, you know, a, a venue that is small and intimate. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, what, 200 people, that kind of a thing. So here's my last question for everyone. Uh, we'll start with you, Christopher. What, what do you miss about, about live shows the most? Oh, man. So much, actually. I miss the experience that we all get to have playing live shows. Uh, like even just being on a stage, right? You're kind of separated from your audience, but you're really not because you're all experiencing the music together. So there's this sense of community that happens in those moments. So every kind of live show, you're experiencing community. So that's the thing that I think I miss the most. I miss the community that we have as a musical family and as an entertaining community. Wayne, what do you miss? You know, in times of crisis, we like to get together and have happy times and enjoy ourselves and talk to friends and neighbors and meet other people and have a commonality. And, and, and I think the music venues do that. In this particular crisis, that sort of crutch, if you will, is gone. We can't do that. Um, so the thing that, that would make us feel much better, the thing that would um, help our soul um, collectively is gone. Um, and, and that's a shame. I, I, I wish you know, we could figure out here in this 30 minutes what the answer is, and, and unfortunately we haven't. Um, but uh, I, I miss the, the collective uh, speaking to other people and, and sharing a laugh and, and hearing good music and, and that, that whole thing that makes living worth living um, is, is gone and it's on, on this perpetual pause. And it, you know, nobody knows when the pause button is gonna be hit. Um, and, and when we can get back to, to some sense of, of normal. Um, and so the thing that we need the most is, is the arts and these venues um, to help us through this time and, and we can't. Um, so I, you know, I miss a lot of things, but I think that that's, um, that's a critical one for the large society, I think. John, what do you miss? I, I'd say, like Christopher said, being the vessel, you know, the, the, the place to put those shows together with the artist and giving the people that experience. You know, I had said through my lobbying efforts over the past six months, one of my biggest talking points was that I was offended that our, our industry was being called non-essential. I believe that the arts are the most essential industry that we have and that they deserve to be protected above all others. Um, when you're going through what our country and the world is going through and, and in times of grave circumstances and frustration, people move to the arts. Um, and I think we need that. We need to preserve that because giving people a safe way to experience that um, and have that kind of camaraderie where we can take our mind off of our problems just for a few hours um, can do wonders for the soul. And I think that we're, we're seeing that people are missing that very, very much. And we have to protect it to make sure that it continues 
um, after this is all over with. It, it should be a priority. Well, uh, Wayne Atherholt, Tom DeGeorge, Christopher James, thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure, Bradley. Today's show was produced by Denora Prevost. And if you missed part of the conversation or want to listen again, you can find it at WUSFnews.org. I'm Bradley George. Thanks for listening to Florida Matters. Hope you'll join us again next week.